No, it's just convenient. It's just convenient. April fifth, uh, sixth. What day is it? It's the sixth. I don't, I don't know. I just I'm so busy. I always forget that. I just I just know what day of the week it is. I don't know what day of the month it is. You're so bandish that way. <laughs> I, I know the dates I need to know, and everything else kind of just goes by the wayside. Welcome to the Asbury Park Vibes podcast. Asbury Park Vibes is dedicated to sharing information about the live music scene in the Asbury Park area, as well as the bands who've traveled through. We thank you for tuning in, downloading, or just stumbling upon our podcast. All right, Doug, you and I are sitting here today with the hard rock band, Generation Underground. Guys, it's nice to meet you. Welcome. Yeah. Yes. Welcome. It's finally, it's nice to finally meet you. Yes. Um, in person. Uh, we did a, a podcast, one of our first podcasts actually with you in 2020. And uh, you were just coming off Cold-Blooded Volume 1. Mm-hmm. And we were talking a lot about that. And uh, I'm sure a lot has happened since then. <laughs> you have a lot yeah. going on right now. We do. Um, Cold-Blooded Volume 2 will be out in uh, 14 days. So two weeks from today, um, can't wait for that. It's been a, a long road to get it to get it out finally. Were, but, you, were um, you having trouble coming up with a new name for a record? That oh you just no, <laughs> <to> <laughs> that that was the easy part. I think just like I mean, because like the original plan was to do like like what people don't really know, which you'll people will know later, like next month is it really is one cohesive record. But we broke it in half because people have short attention spans, so we're like, all right, we'll do it half and half. And then COVID happened, and COVID screwed up all of that. Because, yeah, that'll ruin your attention span right uh, off. You know, like, we had, we were supposed to do a show with Attila in PA, like, the day before the record came out. I was like, this is perfect. It'd be good promotion, this and that. And then, you know, the whole world shut down six weeks before the record came out. It's yeah. like, what do you do? Do you, like, you know, and no one knew how long it was going to be. So we're like, oh, we'll just put it out and this and that. And we did the jackass move that Avenged Sevenfold failed at a couple years ago, which we put it out and didn't announce it. We just put it out don't ever do that don't ever do that are you suggesting nobody noticed uh, i mean people noticed and like you know like the two publicists or actually sorry the the publicists that we had at the time they did a did awful job like promoting it and it honestly didn't matter because we went number six on the rock charts on amazon which was and even i had no i, I found us like a week into it like we didn't know and then it kind of turned into like, okay, let's see how high we can get. And then we ended up being 19 on overall of all the music. I mean, we were knocking people like Ozzy out of the way and Metallica and Taylor Swift, and we're just sitting there going like... How did that happen? I, yeah. That's what I'm still trying to figure out. <laughs> it's been two <laughs> years, and I'm still trying to understand how that happened. And it's sad because right when that happens, you want to capitalize that and go on the road, and there's no road to go on. You know, COVID was one of those things where <clears throat> I know it screwed up a lot of things for a lot of people, but for us, it was kind of a good resetting point. We had just went through a very rough six to eight months leading uh, like leading up and then through COVID. So for us, it was kind of like a good resetting point to kind of like sit there and like evaluate what the problem was. It just, you know, when you run around for five years, you don't exactly address the problem. The problems just keep building. Sure. And eventually they kind of just tackled us and was just like, well, we need to like figure out what to do just because, you know, people weren't getting along and things weren't moving in the right direction. And we had hired the wrong manager and the wrong booking agent and the booking agent 
took our money and ran with it, and we had to sue him. I hear it, that way oh, too wow. often. It was, uh, we did get our money back, but it's just the aggravation of, like, going through that. Like, I, I you know, that's why I always tell every band, like, be careful who you go into business with. I always worry about people who charge through PayPal anyway. So, but you know, you have two very quiet friends here. Why don't you introduce who we have here and tell us, you know, who's in the Actually, band? And introduce yourself too. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm Mike Florentine, by the way, uh, vocalist, guitar player. We have Rob. I don't know how to say your last name correctly. Scucciarini. Scucciarini on drums, and he also plays guitar. I may add. And then we have Raf, better known as Raphael Mariquin, on the bass guitar. Now, are we missing somebody, or are you guys a three-piece? I mean, it's intended to be a four-piece, but we're currently looking for a guitar player mm. to kind of round out everything. So if you're watching this, um, we're open for business. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Would you ha- actually have people audition and, and work with you? And- um, <clears throat> the last time we had a guitar player, we went through, I think, three or so people, like audition-wise. That's kind of similar how I got Raph, was um, we had went through whole bunch of different bass players and Raph was kind of my last was my last ditch effort and it was just like well let's hope this works and it actually did work out very well so in the past we usually just pick people just for the sake of picking them now mm-hmm. I'd like to actually like try out multiple people to see who fits the best and, and now that you've sort of retooled do you feel that this is a good cohesive group that can get you a bunch of years down the road I definitely think so I mean I, like I wasn't already convinced Rob told me last week he goes yeah you know um I'm, I'm okay with quitting my job, and I was like, I was like, okay. I don't need a job. I was like, that's a very big uh, red flag out of the way. Now I was like, all right, so we got you know, I think between the two of them, you know, R and R as I call them, you know, we have them. We have a great manager. Her name's Alana Weaver. She's been very good at like helping shift the ship in the correct direction. We have two great publicists. We have Tyler from Scene Daddy, and we have um, Maria. I forgot her last name. Maria from um, Adrenaline PR has also been working with us. I know she's from Jersey. Um, They've been very, really good. And then, you know, I think just building out the team has really helped us a lot in the grand scheme of things just because, like, there's a lot of shady people in this industry. And and there's a lot of good people, too, but it's the balancing act of trying to find the right people to help you out. Yeah, you have to build that – have that team, that that solid team around you. And – um. Was it hard to find, uh, you know, like, hard to find? Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I mean, yes and no. I mean, like, um, our manager, we found her through, uh, I have a mutual friend. His name is Brad. He plays in this band called Ultraviolent. They're from Pennsylvania. They, um, you know, we have done shows with them before. We're, we're going to do some touring with them at some point this year, like some, like, weekend runs. Like, we're, like we'll we'll hook them up in New Jersey. They'll hook us up in PA, and we'll kind of just piggyback off each other. But he always spoke highly of her, so we ended up doing a Zoom call last year while I was at Six Flags out of all places. And everyone's like, why are you on a business call? I'm like, you don't understand. Like, I can't. I can't say no right now. I have to take this on. And we're on a Zoom call while I'm walking around Six Flags. And, <laughs> you know, I knew she was serious. And then she was just like, look, you know, like, I don't know what I'm going to do for you specifically. But I think just kind of being like that, almost like the band therapist of just like venting what's going on to get a different outside perspective. And, like, I got to give her a lot of credit 
for you, you know like she always says she goes you know like i don't get the same respect because she goes she goes because i'm a woman in the industry and i was like why does that matter like that does, shouldn't make a difference like she's well there's a lot of things that shouldn't make a difference but yeah in this industry if you're missing a part you know not yeah. missing a part if you don't have that extra appendage you're seen as less yeah and honestly like hiring like a woman manager and a woman publicist like mm-hmm. I, I never saw it like that but like it's definitely a different set of eyes which I really enjoy like it's just it's just, it's just a different perspective in general so you know like the mom all for it like you know like the more the better sure. so they definitely gotta like, you know like move away from the stigma like it should be for everybody it shouldn't just be inclusive to just be like oh it can only be this guy and like it's you know like it's it's music it's well, for everybody it's refreshing to hear that because yeah, yeah. I, you know it's just it's definitely. the truth though like you know like it if anyone succeeds in the in the I guess you know rock and metal scene, like it benefits everybody. It really does. Mm-hmm. Whether you like the band or not, it's a different story. But like, it benefits everybody. It really does. So you talk about the rock and the metal scene, and the three of you, although the two of you look a little shady, and you're you're making me nervous. <laughs> the two, if you, uh, you probably haven't noticed, they don't blink. Is the interesting thing? They haven't blinked once. You, you, you seem like affable fellas, and and you know how does. How do you get into this uh, genre of music that is so seemingly from the outside so angry and so violent? Did did someone not hug you enough when you were younger? <laughs> um, How did you end up here? In fact, it was uh, it was actually the opposite for me. My uh, my dad got me into metal, rock and metal, the whole scene. He he introduced me to Man of War when I was like two. Man of oh, War, wow. But yeah, at a young age, I was always just like into the whole rock and metal scene. It like called to me. It was called. But what is it that calls to you? I mean, there's I a, certainly know. there's a level of intensity there. Oh, absolutely, the intensity. I a good guttural scream. It just tickles my ears in the right way. Interesting. <laughs> it, I love it's it. like everyone is in some sort of deep uh, primal scream therapy from the seventies, <laughs> right? Yeah, man. It works. It's just evolved. It's a release, right? Yeah. yeah a release. But, um, you know, that was one of the questions, actually, that I had, too, is because I'm, you know, listening to your music and, you know, and looking at the titles of the songs, you know, with the, you know, the Meth Man and, uh, oh you know, <laughs> Betrayal, uh, Nightmare. Like, really, like, where are these topics coming from and what is your goal in putting them into a song. And actually, I keep looking at you, but I really, this is for all of you. Grab the mic if you want to answer this. Um, you know, that where, what are you trying to express through that song? What's your purpose in uh, writing it? I mean, most of the stuff that I write about lyrically, um, I mean, you know, like, and Rob's only been in the band now for what, like a month or so? A month or so. So he's not really, like, included on, like, what's been out just because he hasn't been in the band yet, but, like, that's going to be, like, we were just discussing this on the way down here. Like, we have a record we've been working on for almost two years that I've been, like, so so called leaking information about because I'm trying to draw attention to it. And, like, we were talking about on the way here, I was, like, the fact that the three of us are on the same page, like, makes it so much easier for me because I'm always the one carrying, like, the weight of everything. And the fact that, like, Rob can play guitar and drums, like, is a big plus because, like, if I have an idea, Rob may have a better idea to go put the two ideas together. And then, like, I've known Raph since we went to high, we went to high school and middle school together. So I've known Raph for a long time. So, you know, I think it's, like, a good cohesive thing. And to answer your question, I mean, 
lyrically, most of the stuff is from like personal experience for me. Like not, every, you know, some things are a little bit more literal or figurative. It just depends on the song. Like, you know, like I didn't do meth. Meth man's about a sound guy we had at a show in Atlantic city who was on meth and was just out of his mind and just looked like he came out of the Pacific ocean when he came to do our sound. And the guy was just, you know, hobbling around and you know i told the story last year on my friend's podcast um metal antics and they're just like it's like so what's the deal about meth man i was (laughs) like well you know it's about this guy who's a sound guy in ac and he just was all over the place and just disappeared for like an hour and a half and came back and just looked you know just hey you're lucky he came back yeah right (laughs) we were lucky he did come back and then then his wife came hobbling around she had one flip-flop on she's got like this nice big limp and i'm just like what are we doing what what are we doing how was the sound for that show uh it was horrendous (laughs) was it really yeah Yeah. i'm not surprised so are, are do you try to sort of see the world from his perspective or or describe it um what you're seeing I mean, like, I'm trying to think about, like, the perspective we put it in when we were writing. I mean, we wrote that song. Like, what people don't really... This record, like, Cold Volume 1 and Volume 2, they've been done since 2019. So, like, wow. I'm trying to, like, remember now, like, all the pieces of the story. Because we, we were... I mean, this song, Meth Man was done in 2018. Like, that's how long it's been done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was kind of more the perspective of, like, us looking at the guy and, like... What the hell are you doing? Like, mm. like, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, and I've seen a lot of crazy things in the music industry, but that was top five most unique moment. So, if, if the music's been recorded for a few years now and it's, and it's just getting to the light of day, and now you have a, a newer member and you'll have a new guitar player, how concerned are you about keeping it to what the albums sound like as opposed to it changing a little bit now that you have, well, you're five years older? Uh, your playing's probably a little bit more mature as well, and now you have other people playing parts. I think, you know, like, when we wrote Cold-Blooded, like, we we wrote, when we wrote our first record, like, they always tell you you have your whole life to write your first record. It, it is very true. Like, we had, you know, those songs were written over a couple-year period, and then just kind of progressed. Like, they got rewritten, they got rewritten, they got stronger and stronger. And I honestly got to give our producer, Chris Penny, who was in Dillinger Escape Plan and Coheed and Cambria, a lot of credit. Like, he took me from being, a, you know, a frail, unconfident musician to someone who was very confident in what I was working with. And, like, the honest truth is I couldn't get people to show up to record. So I finally had someone who could, like, be, like, my rock and be, like, my support system. Of, like, hey, Chris, can you, like, help me produce? He's like, yeah, well, I can play drums, I can play bass, I can play guitar. And mm-hmm. he doesn't unbelievable impersonation of Rob Zombie, I may add. Okay. Like, it's, like, spot on. It's just, it's out of control. Do you, do you feel that the studio album captures, because uh, I think for me, especially for metal, and I'll be the first one to admit, I'm not the biggest metal fan, but the live performance, I think, is always more interesting because there's a spectacle, but do you think that the recording captured that energy well enough that you can use that to get people to come see you play? I think so. Like, I think, like, a big thing we've been really um, pushing on since the first record is energy. Because, like, our shows are based a lot off of, like, energy. And, like, I think I take a lot of that from, like, the hardcore scene where, like, I just, like, watch those shows and those crowds are just are wild. to Just have how crazy, how intense people are. And I'm just, like, you know, like, obviously, like, having a good ballad is or a good radio song is obviously a very important thing, too. But, like have that balance where it's like kind of like a peak and valley thing where it's like you come out and you hit them super hard and then sure. you kind of let it die down a little bit and then you hit them again and you know kind well, of just the only fm radio that i could think of that sort of plays this consistently is that wsou mm-hmm. 89.5 uh, yeah 
and and then and then any of the streaming services that have. So, are you getting good play on on those uh, avenues? I would like to actually announce we're getting very close to getting played on WS. So you have been fighting them for five years to take a chance on oh, us. Is there is there something special? Because when you listen to it, it seems pretty laid back. Is it hard to get a song on the radio? They are. There was one time, me and this kid I used to be friends with, we drove to Seton Hall and <laughs> brought CDs to their, to their actual office because they wouldn't answer my emails. Or they would. We were like a half-ass answer. Yeah. And they pretty much told me to get lost and get off the property. And That's I was like, you would think they would want to cultivate, especially a Jersey band. And sure. th- and this is like pre-COVID too, so that's what was just so like, like just strange about it. It's like we fit this perfectly, and like you know, I've called my friends have called the request, and it just goes on deaf ears. And like the way we kind of broke down, I guess the wall, so to speak, is we. Um, we talked to them about doing some ads for the new record that's coming out, and they agreed that. And I was like, oh, so, "So now you agree? When, when when money's involved, now you guys agree?" So, well, I'm sure an envelope with some cash wouldn't hurt either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it will. Like we've done a little st- Bitcoin right there, right? Just st- a small Bitcoin for WSO, you know. <laughs> but you know, like I think between running ads with them and then running ads with the rat, like even though we're not necessarily on the radio yet, we're like pushing towards that way so that people can finally like let us come on the radio and this and that and we're hiring literally it was sending the email today we're hiring this company called skateboard marketing they're going to help really push us they pretty much have access to any hard rock metal terrestrial satellite or college station in the country Mm -hmm. so pretty much what muncie told me literally yesterday on the phone he goes look he goes i love the record he goes he goes i know not many people say that instantly and i was like I, I know. I appreciate the honesty. I go, because he goes, you don't get a lot of that. He goes, no, you don't. He goes, look, he goes, we're going to push it to every station in America. He goes, but I can't guarantee you it's going to get played. He goes, but we're going to try. And I was like, trying is what I appreciate. Well, I think, especially the newer bands that we've met through Asbury Park Vibes, 20 years ago, it was really hard for a band to make a record. So there weren't that many records coming out. But with Garage Band and the ability to make a very slick-sounding song with a minimal amount of money up front has really crowded the field of what's out there. What is it about your music, or what is it about your attitude and your work ethic that you think brings yours you know, just a, a head above the rest of the pack? Because every state's got five or six bands that are trying to do the same thing as you, and so you're, right now you're competing with hundreds of other bands that all would answer the same way. But what's... What's keeping you ahead? I mean, like, I guess trying to, like, I guess I would say keeping it real. Like, people don't know this, but, like, these records have been tracked in my garage. Like, th- th- there's there's no, like, secret studio. We didn't go to Lake House. We didn't go to NRG in L.A. Like, this is done in my garage above the rehearsal room. Like, you would never know that, but, like, now you do. Like, What's, What program did you use to record it? Um, so Chris Penny uses Ableton, and mm-hmm. then he uses uh, Cubase as well. He uses both of them. Okay. So... I personally, like, I used to use Mixcraft, and I really liked it, but um, they don't make it for Mac, so I kind of been trying to learn Pro Tools, which is just an entire headache in itself, but I think the thing is, like, even though nowadays, like, the internet has created a lot of too much traffic, in my opinion, it's hard to stand out. It honestly is very hard to stand out, and, like, I think the thing with us is we're trying to, you know, like... I'm aware of what what's going on, like what's popular and it's not like I think just for us we're more focused on just 
us and not necessarily what's going on because I want to just make what I think feels you know comfortable and normal and not trying to follow some trend or fads because they come and go all the time like and then like in trying to think of just the Jersey area other than debonair music hall what are the venues that are welcoming to a band playing this sort of medley rock um I mean we got house of it we got house in Asbury we got we had the Brighton bar which we love the Brighton let's just yeah. have a 10 second pause of missing I know. Brighton I love the Brighton yep so who else? Uh, who, um, who else? Um, the po- the pony does stuff sometimes here and there. Um, What's the place up in Garwood? Garwood. Oh, Crossroads. Yeah. Do they do they cater to this? Yeah, we played there once. It was an interesting vibe. I'll put it that way. I it thought was, you said a uh, White Eagle Hall. No. White Eagle Hall does stuff Would too. They? Yeah. Yeah. So where what where are we going to see you playing in the next few months? Well, the guarantee spot is Dingbats up in Clifton. Okay. Yeah. That they. I mean, they love you know metal rock i mean i'm literally gonna go there tonight for a show so like they're always you know very big with that i mean like pretty much you know like dingbats is like the biggest i guess for like the local scene and then houses i I gotta give greg diamond a lot of props like he's done an unbelievable job last year with house like house wouldn't get that many like they get like you know like those like pop punk like alternative shows but they didn't get like metal and now they get this i mean there's one there's a metal show at least once a month at house now it's crazy They've had some pretty alternative metal bands there as well. I've you know I've seen them. I don't particularly enjoy the crowd killing that the that the crowd goes through. It's, you you should have saw the show I was at on Friday. We who saw did you go see? traitors and left to suffer. And where was that? At house. Oh yeah. I just call that it's just devastation on the floor. <laughs> well, there's no safe place to stand for. There, old there is men. none. There was a guy who <laughs> my friend told me this. Walked up to another guy and just drop ticked him right in the face. Yeah, I, I don't. And they dragged him out. Like, and I and I used to work security there, so like, and they don't tolerate that crap. Like, no, no. I think they wait for that to happen so they could pounce on somebody. But it used to be years ago you could stand on the side of the stage because I've taken pictures of dozens, if not hundreds, of hardcore shows. But there was a safer place to stand. But now, the idea that they jump off the stage into the corner, I you know. I have a. I have to wake up for work tomorrow. I can't get hurt at these shows. Yeah, it, it's the, the intensity behind these shows has just gotten almost out of control. And like I always suffer from, like metal shows are crazy, rock shows, but hardcore shows are nuts. And like an even crazier thing, surprisingly, is rap shows. Like rap shows, like sure. there's no rules. Like those those kids have no care in the world. They don't care, and they just go nuts the entire night. And I'm just like. And then, like, how do you control that as a singer? Because you're seeing everything up there, and you know, you guys are feeling it too. And please jump in. We, we want you also to uh, share that mic and, and talk. Like, what what are you doing on stage to? I think they're trying not to get hurt. Well, that? Yeah. Like, no, no, I mean, like, you know, are you are you? Uh, yeah, like, how do you respond to it when you see it? I got to be careful up there sometimes because sometimes I get a little bit too. Um, like, we played Debonair Music Hall couple years ago and we played there with head pe i don't know if you guys remember that band from like many moons ago but pretty much uh the attendance was very light and that kind of irritated us because it was like we're on at six o'clock and we're playing in front of 15 people like this is a little annoying and you know we're up there like trying to go as hard as we can and no one cared and we were going to do a slipknot cover and we had announced it and the crowd was kind of just like eh. and i was like and i was like the fuck you mean eh? and i just and i started going after them and 
they literally ended up cutting our set a song short because I started going after the crowd because the crowd was just turned facing the bar and not facing us. Oh, and I that's was, ugly. I've seen them do that before. They cut people's set short over at Debonair. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So, saw a couple of shows there, and they did like they announced the song, and then they were like, never mind, we got to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to be careful up there because I like to get the crowd involved, but you got to walk that fine line of it being like, encouraging versus being an asshole and like I gotta be careful because in the past I have been the asshole on stage Mm. yelling too much of just you can't keep yelling at the crowd you gotta be like understanding of like well sometimes you know you'll go to a show and they'll say you know come on a little closer you get the crowd closer when there's a good crowd and you scream open the circle pit or you know open the shit up and they do that you know I was at House of Independence I don't remember who was playing it was a few weeks ago and the guy said, let's, you know, let's get this pit started. And there just wasn't enough people for a pit. And it looked more like... No, it's just two guys going at it. Yeah, it just, just looks stupid. Crowd. It looks like two... <laughs> two the, but, but with the, the crowd that you're attracting, uh, some of the crowd, especially the guys, uh, they look like they're muscle heads and they're all jacked up on something. And they seem to enjoy hurting others. How does that? How does that sort of fit in with your overall ethic of of where you want to bring the band? I mean, luckily enough, our music doesn't. The hardcore community is not crazy about us, so we, okay. we luckily don't attract the meathead audience. Thank God. Um, they're a very cool community, obviously, because they're very like supportive of each other. But there's they, a lot of testosterone. In and the I was just gonna say, days. like, that's the issue. Like, if you're in that scene, the minute you try to get out of that scene, they like turn their back on you, and it just yeah. like. Like, I saw a guy at the Trader Show on Friday. The dude's wearing a mouthpiece. It's like, this is not the NFL, dude. Like, it, it, this is a, a, just a, a, a hardcore show at house. Like, calm down a little bit. Like, I, I know your girlfriend cheated and left you last week, but, like, you don't need to, like, punch some other per. Like, and I've, I've seen, I saw um, Suicide Silence a couple years ago in Brooklyn with my dad. And, you know, that's an intense show, and they're playing their whole first album, which is just brutal. I mean, just brutally heavy. And we're just watching, and this girl's just standing outside the pit. This guy just comes, I mean, just, I mean, just flying UFC kick, just knocked her straight out. Oh, my God. And she just, and just knocked out cold, and they're, like, picking up, and I'm just, like, I get, like, the moshing that I get that, but, like. Yeah, but it's bordering on assault. It, it, but it, but it literally is borderlining assault. It's like the, there's a difference between like shoving, banging, pushing around, jumping. Then there's then there's the people who do the jujitsu kicks and yeah. they got the flying elbows. Well, it's I, like, I asked, why are you doing this? I got kicked by a woman with steel tip boots, and, and I and, and I was standing at House of Independence. They have um, uh, there's like a cement block on the side, so for us photographers, you could stand there. It's a little safer, and you get up above the crowd. And I just asked, I was like, hey, can you just do that over there? And she was screaming at me, if you don't like it, you shouldn't have come to the show. And I'm like, mm, okay, well, no one's going to get pictures then. The crowd I, I, very brutal at metal shows. Oh, my God. I feel so bad for the photographers at the hardcore show, especially with the stage diving. Uh, in my younger days, I used to stand right in the middle. But now, if I can't be off at the side. If you have good security... They, they watch out for you, but it really depends on how the pit is set up. If there is a pit, if there's a, if it's a packed show, yeah, there's not much one guy's going to do. Yeah. No, no, yeah. yeah. At Starland, they do a really nice job. They anticipate it. They let you know that they're coming. They tell you to duck. Yeah. It's like you know, they, no, they, they like do a the nice Starland. job there. But yeah. Starland also has that barrier where you're a little yeah. safer as photographer. House yeah. generally doesn't do that. Yeah, yeah, um, that's a big issue. <laughs> that's funny. 
Yeah, because I've done security. I used to do security at Starland as well, mm-hmm. and like. My God, like, you don't try anything there. Like, mm-hmm. we will tackle you. There is no... <laughs> I actually saw two security guards go at it at Starland in the middle of a show. They, I think they were, they've offended each other. And uh, it was a lot of yellow shirts with the word security with a lot of fists. That was the one thing that I didn't enjoy was that we had to wear bright orange. And it was a Sayreville Town Ordinance thing. And, like, you could, it was like, where's Waldo? It's like, oh, where's security? <laughs> oh, wait, I could see them a mile yeah. away. <laughs> now, did you guys ever go to... Um, a game changer world and how we we played there once i don't like how everyone shits on game changer world i loved game changer no, I world gonna, i wasn't gonna because ever, everyone always a lot of unknown bands yeah because everyone's always like just like oh, fucking i hated game changer i was like number one it was a cool spot number they had two a great sound system great they sound system people hurting each other right and there's two <laughs> stages it's right off route nine they had unbelievable pizza there like and they're like oh there's no liquor license i Okay, what, you couldn't drink in the parking lot? Like, is it that big of a deal? You know what, it seemed like everybody did drink in the parking lot. So on any parking lot, any show afterwards, because I live right around the corner, and I was taking pictures there from the day it opened for for almost the entire time it was there, and I saw some weird things happen. But at the end of a show, especially they would do like the 41 bands all playing for 20 minutes kind of show, there'd be hundreds of cans of beer and, uh, you know, pieces of joints that weren't smoked and it was unsafe to walk barefoot in that parking lot <laughs> oh yeah something. yeah but i i miss it you know it i was do nice so. having a place right around the corner i was very happy we played there once because everyone played there and mm-hmm. like we did um do you remember the break contest they had yeah I know yeah the we did contest. the we did the last one ever we were considered the deadliner because we came on at 10 o'clock mm-hmm. which was fun because like everyone was into it they're like luckily we only had two originals so it worked out perfect they're mm-hmm. like Two originals, two covers. I was like, "All right, perfect." This is this. this <laughs> we only have two originals anyway at the time. So, and the, they loved us, and we wanted to play there so badly again. And they were close within like six months. There was an issue. They they also catered to a lot of this ultra violent wrestling thing, and uh, the there were two shows. Uh, one was a hardcore show where the police ended up having to come in and break up a fight. It was oh, a really I ugly rem- fight. I remember that. And then uh, during the wrestling, I think one of the wrestlers jumped off the roof outside into the garbage bin. And I think at that <laughs> point that the town and the owner of the building was like, this, isn't, this wasn't what you said it was going to be. It was supposed to be like a birthday place that had bands once in a while. What's wrong with getting drug kicked out of birthday place? Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, John D's coming back. Uh, he's going to... Uh, in 2023, I don't know if they're going to call it Bamboozle or... I'd, That's I'd what read they're about calling that. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'd imagine he'll do another break contest because um, it doesn't cost him anything and he makes a lot of money off of that. So it's a good business venture for him. And Bamboozle was the thing they had at MetLife, right? They did Bamboozle at MetLife. They did Bamboozle at uh, right here in Asbury near the beach. Mm-hmm. And then... I think the name Bamboozle was then owned by someone else and then it became Skate and Surf. Okay. Because the same people who did Skate and Surf did Bamboozle, but I'm under the impression what's coming back is the Bamboozle idea with the logo with the dead uh, clown with the X's on his eyes. Okay. Yeah, that was a little bit before my time, sadly. And uh, and, uh, we're going to the Orange Orange Loop Loop. Festival, which uh, John D is producing that as well, and that's a big sort of... um, That's not... That's like medley, but not like... Middle yeah, it's mostly hard rock. Like hard okay. rock. Yeah, not not really metal, but yeah, right in AC. 
Yeah, we fit like that, like in between of the two. We're like, so that do you think that that's you know that's more of a challenge for a band like yours? Because we were talking, I think we even talked about that the last podcast. I mean, trying to find a place that that is welcoming to that type of music. Um, You know, how do you? What are you doing to make up for that? Because the problem is we're not heavy enough for like the death metal, the hardcore crowd, but then we're too heavy for the radio crowd, and it's just like... Well, the, the, the vocal part isn't throaty enough in the scream part, so you're not going to get the screamo guys to do that. But those who are looking for more of a rap in a music or, or some sort of oratory, you know, it's too easy to understand what you're saying. I think, like, the thing, like, you know, like, and I don't only listen to this metal rock. Like, I, you know, I like this, you know, snuffing against pop music or alternative music or anything, you know, in that realm. But, like, you know, I have a lot of people that I know that, like, don't listen to rock or metal. They're like, well, I don't listen to rock or metal, but, like, I like your band. I was like... That's good. That's what I'm trying to get at because I try to, you know, I was explaining this to the guy yesterday at Verizon when I was talking, getting my phone set up. He was just <laughs> like... He's like, oh, he goes, you're wearing a Slipknot shirt. I'm like, yeah. He goes, oh, I'm going to go see them and this and that. And I was like, I gave him a sticker then. And he goes, I was like, look, I'm like, I'm sure there's at least one song you'll like. I was like, there's enough diversity of the two records. You'll like something that just, you know, like we got everything from a Circle Pit song to we have Lydia's song on straight acoustic. Like it's just, you know, like we try to be diverse, but I also like to keep it where we kind of keep the sound. I don't want to pull a Linkin Park and do hybrid theory and meteor and then just go 180 and do minutes to midnight like it's a good record but i don't want i want to i want to look at it from well, like you're i think at the moment you're trying to establish a brand of who you are and then from there you could be a little bit more diverse i suppose yeah i mean like i just i look kind of look at it kind of like the um like as an audience member of just like you know like if i like this band i don't want to see this band like so so to speak you know change their sound completely like yeah like we're obviously gonna always add and adapt to different things but like I want people to go like alright like I know what I'm gonna get with Generation Underground I just don't know what it's gonna sound like 100% sure. I wanna you know people like oh yeah I've been there since the first record and they never sold out and like you know like I we were offered a couple years ago just big time producer deal thing we were gonna sign with Better Noise Music a couple years ago and there, and so we assumed we were going to be able to keep the sound because that's what we signed for. And then they told me on my 21st birthday that we were going to become emo rap. Oh, yes. congratulations. Yeah, and I'm just sitting there and I'm just bashing my head on the table in New York City going like, what the fuck just happened? They're like, yeah, emo rap. And then like my uh, guitar player at the time was just like, yeah, he's like, you know. And he's like sitting there playing like, playing like a really heavy. They're like, no, 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 no. They're like, no guitars. And we're like, what do you mean no guitars? They're like, yeah, no drums, no bass, no distorted guitars. And I was like... It's just a beat. It's just, it was just... The it, question it, is, it, is, why did they bother paying you? They could have found somebody who does that. Well, I mean, we kind of became their little pet project, so to speak. And like, I just like... When you have a lot of momentum going, you kind of just... You say yes to everything. And we said yes to the wrong people. And they had me sold. Like every other rock and roll movie you see that you sign the deal with the devil... Our old manager was the devil, in my opinion. <laughs> like, that guy just led me on and was always, like, you know, like the carrot in front of the rabbit. Like, it just kept, like, oh, if you guys do this, you'll get this and this and that. And then eventually hit a point. It's like, you know, I've had enough of the, the, the games with this. Like, I want to just sound like what we want to sound like. And, like, I remember they were just like, you know, your music's not good enough to get you a booking agent. I was like, really? Is that so? I'm like, is that so? And I was like, I'm done. And they're like, well, I was like, 
goodbye. And they're like, well, and I was like, we're, we're, we're done. And literally three weeks later, we started writing the next record. And I remember I told producer Chris Penn, I was like, I don't care if no one listens to this. I go, this will be the most angriest fucking album I will write in my life. I go, they want, they want heavy. You, you will get heavy. You want, you want intensity. You will get every bit of intensity. And as proud as I am for the five songs we've created that will be coming out in two weeks, what I always tell people is wait to hear the next batch because the next batch is with this new lineup and with a the new lineup new guitar player. Could you go out as a three piece if you had to? It'd be very tough to do it. Um, I mean, you know, I play guitar, but I don't play guitar in every single song. Mm. So you don't have one of those guitars with the extra strings on it, do you? No, wait. You have a six string guitar, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all you metal people have like eight and nine string guitars. <laughs> I'm not sure where you're supposed to put your We're fingers. We're just gonna keep going down until we hit the brown note, and then it's just <laughs> that would be great. And then we go higher until everybody just goes deaf, and then we just so you can have a bunch of people who are having like a bipolar episode who shit themselves. Yeah, man. <laughs> that would make a good pit. <laughs> Bipolar people shitting themselves. Yeah, I think, I think that could be, be the drug. All I see is a lawsuit impending. Yeah. That's all I see. It's not our issue, though. <laughs> they were there. They were at will employees. They showed up on their <laughs> it's own. It's not our issue. I want to shift gears because you know you talk about the intensity and and you know you grew up with this music and either your Spotify playlist or your or whatever's on your phone, what would be, and, and all three of you have to answer. We're going to get you to talk in a minute. <laughs> you know. in, in his defense, this is only his second interview ever, yeah, third. He's, he's doing great. <laughs> yeah, so third. far, we can't quote him on anything, so that's good yeah, for the litigation. He's here for it, more if it makes you guys. guys feel any better, he's quiet when he's in the car, too. So oh, that's even it's, better. So it's not even like it's an ad. Like, this is just how he is. Well, the truth is, if you're going to be in a car with band members for a long time, the quiet isn't much as an issue as much as the farting, to be truthfully. <laughs> the smell that bands on the road can make is really quite intense. I just had White Castle. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> but... But I'm what, so sorry for the car. It's going to be what impending. Is, what is one song in your playlist that we would be shocked that you like listening good question. to? Good question. a good one. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me pull up my phone. I remember the name of it. Um, it's a pink song, actually. Pink. My, my friend's girlfriend, she put us on the one night, and I was, I'm like looking at her in the hotel room. I'm like, I, was like, I haven't heard this song in like 10 years. I'm like, this is a fucking banger. And it's called... Um, Actually, it's not even her. It's like a cover. I think it's an um, Adam Lambert song. Or I think it's called, like, What Do You Want From oh, Me? Oh, man. That was a um, classic. But that's old. Could you convert that into a metal cover, you think? Yeah, Absolutely. Wh- what Do You Want From Me? That's what it's called. Yeah. It was a good song. That's, like, that's been, like, in my, like, daily playlist last that's few cool. weeks. And, and what about the rest of you guys? What right. would shock us to think that you were bouncing your head along on Garden State Parkway? Just before I was on the Garden State Parkway, I was blasting Sledgehammer by Peter Gabe. Okay. Oh. Fantastic yes. song. Sure. Shock Such a good job. What? Shock the Monkey? No, Sledgehammer. Yeah, I know that. But I'm saying, like, do you know the song Shock the Monkey? Probably not. Well, that's from a much earlier album. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, my, my girlfriend, <laughs> uh, what's his face? Uh, Harry Styles, the mm-hmm. cover of uh, Sledgehammer on, uh, what's the guy that talks about sex? Uh, Howard Stern. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like he he did a cover of that on there, and then I've never I have never listened to this song by Peter Gabriel before. And I put it on, full blast in my car. Blown yep. away. it's a good no. Absolutely. You know, some of those art rockers can still do it. Yeah, man. 
and he aged a lot better than Phil Collins. So, oh yeah. You know, Phil Collins singing from a wheelchair on stage was a really sad sight. Play the drums anymore? No, no. Mm-hmm. All right, you're on the spot. What would shock us? Um, probably anything by Steely Dan. Okay. Oh, nice. So you like that that sharp studio sound? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Those drums are recorded beautifully on all of the Steely Dan albums. Yeah. What about you, Diane? <laughs> what would shock you? What would shock us? What do I have? Uh, I, I I listen to all the same stuff. I mean, you know me, like Tom Petty, <laughs> yeah. Foo yeah, Fighters. I have like all the the rock stuff. Um, I don't know. I this don't know this woman have. came on Saturday Night Live a couple weeks ago, and she sang a song in Spanish. And the only word I recognized was teriyaki. Okay, <laughs> teriyaki. It's such a good tune. It, it's really? just her. It's it's her with a drum beat, and it's just. Her talking, and then she says teriyaki once in a while. And Even my kids were like, Dad, what are you listening to? I'm like, you gotta Oh, so it's song. on your playlist now. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I can't listen to is uh, opera. I, I find sometimes opera very difficult because it's just yeah. a little too much caterwauling for me. It's, it's, it's very loud, too. Yeah. My grandfather, he's fresh off the boat Italian. Every time he came to pick me up when I was in college living with, living with them, mm-hmm. I didn't drive, he'd come blasting opera from his beat-down old red truck. That's great. Just come driving through, and it's just opera, and it's just like... Love it. You're doing it, man. You're doing it. Yeah, I mean, there's some things that I find interesting. My dad was a huge opera fan, so... Uh, One of the other things we like to ask the bands when they come through, not something that your parents took you to, like the Wiggles... But what was the first concert that you went to that you were just like, I need to see this show? You know, it wasn't like, a, you know, the folk festival on, on the Hudson that your whole family went to and you picked apples afterwards. What was, <laughs> what was your first actual show experience? So you're talking about like first show that I wanted to go to or first show the that... The show that you went to. Okay. So the first one I ever did was ACDC at IZOD Center. And my dad brought me up in ACDC, so I loved ACDC. I'd it say, sounds like your dad's a bit of a rock and roll guy, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, it also helps I have an uncle who was really on a TV show about hard rock and heavy metal for eight years. So, Who's your uncle? Jim Florentine from that metal show. Is that why you sound like him? I get that all the time. <laughs> oh, my God. All the time. I didn't say anything, and you sort of look like him, too. Just, with, just with bleached hair. That's it. Well, there it is. Well, if there's not a connection you shouldn't exploit, I don't know what would be. Yeah, so I've been exposed there for a long time. Um, I'd say the real first show that I... I mean, like, I, I, I love ACDC, especially, mm-hmm. like, Bon Scott ACDC, but, like, the first show I really, really wanted to go to was Drowning Pool, actually. Mm-hmm. So my dad took me to Crew Fest 2 and talked about great influence for a nine-year-old with Tommy Lee's tit cam going around. <laughs> Great show, though. Motley Crue, Godsmack, Drowning Pool, I think maybe Trapped or something like that. But it was a good, that was like the first show I was like, I have to go watch this. So, and I ended up becoming like, I'm super tight with the guys in Drowning Pool. I ran their Instagram for five years, mm-hmm. or no, six years actually. So, so this whole metal thing is more of a lifestyle beyond a band. Uh, yeah, like in the morning when you wake up, if you're too happy, do you hit yourself a few times <laughs> in the face? Or it was I was always a very angry kid, so like I think I just gravitated towards angrier music. And like there was a point in my life where I wasn't really, I was into like you know like uh, like a lot like like one look like a lot of the stuff you guys have pictures of in here. Like that's what I grew up on, like Godsmack, Shine Down. Um, Hailstorm, Foo Fighters. I grew up on that. 
as I got older, I got angrier, mm. and angrier led to more intense music. And then I discovered, I think the big one for me was Suicide Silence, because mm. that was like the first, like, oh my god, this is like my dad was like, what are you listening to? This is insanely heavy. And then it turned into my dad was like, this is pretty good actually. I kind of like this. And then that turned into. Oh my God! It goes so much more than that, and then. So you're sort of saying that if we could just get you kids in therapy at a younger age, the entire genre of music <laughs> would disappear. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't start going to therapy till I was 20, yeah. and I fought it for years. And once I started going to it, the lady just sat there and she just looked at me. She goes, "You know, you seem like you have a lot in your mind." I was like, "I'm fucking so angry," and she goes, "Is that why you do music?" And I was like, "You know, I think that's why I do music. I think that's why." Well, as a parent, I'd, I'd rather my kids be angry doing music than hanging out with their friends shooting heroin. You know, it's a, there's a lot of, uh, there are many options, unfortunately, for angry kids, especially in the Monmouth County area. You hear about these kids dying all the time. So I'd rather you play music that, I'd imagine the police had been to your house a few times when the neighbors complained about the noise in the garage. Only once, actually. We were playing in the backyard, and um, <laughs> it's me and my old guitar player, we're just, you know, we're just playing, we're like, 17 I think 17 and 16 and just look up and there's, there's a cop just walk up the stair walking up the drive and I'm like here we go yep. and he was actually very nice he goes look he goes got a complaint and he's like I don't personally think it's loud he goes but I was told that you guys gotta kinda cool it a little bit and I was yeah. like okay okay yeah, he was cool about it yeah he was cool about it our neighbors though were rehearsed I mean like when we moved in we made sure we introduced ourselves to the entire neighborhood oh, I'm sure they loved you <laughs> Funny enough, the guy who lived across the street from us who moved out was John Moyer's manager from Disturb. Mm. So he was like, nah, go for it. He goes, he goes, anybody come over and jam? I'm like, what the fuck? All are like, what are the odds? <laughs> what are the odds? Yeah, well, what are the odds of you being related to like the, the face of American metal music like with his podcast and the shows he's done? And I definitely get the anger from him. Yeah. My God, he is an angry human being. I'm not letting you off the hook. So what was the first show that you went to? It was Iron Maiden at IZOD Center. With my dad. Which is the IZOD Center? It's not there. That was in Philly. That was... Uh... No, it was in... Um, yeah, it was in oh, no, no. The Meadowlands. The Meadowlands. Oh, they, that's yeah, what yeah, they yeah. called it for a while? Yep. Yeah, this is where the Devils and the Nets that's used yeah, to play. I grew up with it. It was called the Brennan Burn Arena. Yeah. Who took you to see that? My dad. Yeah, so my you're... dad's been my concert buddy since I was in, like, fourth grade. So he must love that you're playing in a band. Oh, he loves it. He uh... Does he come help with merch? No, he doesn't come help me with merch. Not yet, though. But he, he supports me. All the time. That's amazing. Yeah, no, he, uh, the old band I was in, I played guitar, and he actually made me a guitar strap with the band logo on mm-hmm. it. I mean, it, I don't really use it now because I'm not in the band anymore. <laughs> but that's very sweet of him. <laughs> but it was cool. He did that. He has a, a, a hat he wears, and he puts our pins in the hat. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And, and what was the first show you went to? You got. You probably got thrown out for screaming during the soft parts. <laughs> well, the first show I went to was with Mike when we were in like middle school. We oh, saw um, Ozzy Osbourne. I think it was like Rob Halford. Oh my like, god! Was at that show too. Yeah, I forgot. Was, was, was that, that like at the Ozfest at the uh, PNC Art Center? Or no, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was at Ozzy. Okay, it was, it was Ozzy. With yeah, Ozzy's birthday yeah. with Ozzy and then Rob Halford's solo band. That was oh wow! Yeah. So the three of you have been standing in the same spot periodically without even knowing yeah, each other so for cool. some time. Yeah. We had no idea. Remember the time I took you to see Avenged Sevenfold in uh, Atlantic City? And that like drunk lady like came up to me and, and just kept talking to you the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Nothing worse than strangers talking to you when you're at a show. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a great, great show, though. Avenged and Metallica doing the Black Album. Like, wow. you can't get a much better show than that. And I was Avenged Sevenfold still in their prime, too. So when everybody in Metallica cut their hair short, were you upset by that? I was negative three years old, so oh, okay. I, I have no comment. <laughs> you know, speaking about I, I your parents. how young everybody is. I know, I know. They're young. It's not that we're old. Okay. But speaking of your parents, what's it like when you perform and they're in the audience? Oh, it's so cool. Is it? It's my favorite thing. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Raf. Is he does he is he banging his head doing his oh, thing? Oh yeah, man. He comes he comes with the hat, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just it's so cool because I know there's a lot of parents out there that don't support it at all. They're like, oh, you listen to that devil shit. Mm-hmm. And my dad's sitting there throwing up the horns and everything, and he's he's having a good time. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just some I, of the you music, don't have to say, but just how old is your dad? My dad. Fifty-one. This oh year? Jesus! I'm older than his dad. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I would go see my kids play if they're in the band, but they would be like, just stand in the back. Oh, he does that regardless. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd be surprised if he came up to the front. Well, it's very loud. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> he was the one that told me about earbuds. I um, use them. <laughs> I use my earplugs now. I, I should have years ago, but at night when I go to sleep, I hear that whistle in both oh, ears. Oh, you got the tin- uh, tinnitus. Yeah. yeah. Tinnitus. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have that too. So yeah. let's let's move on to Cold Blooded Two. Tell us a little bit more about that because that's coming out. When did you say? Uh, two weeks from today. Two weeks from today. And um, what can we expect on Cold Blooded Two? I know that everything's been recorded for a while, but is it different from Volume One? Is it a progression? Um, how is it the same? How is it different? Yes and no. Um, the second track on the record, Brandon Boulder, which the music video will be coming out for it actually in two weeks. Um, that was actually the first song we wrote on the entire record. That was, God, I mean, we, like our first album, we had put out like the self-titled. That wasn't even out yet. We already were working on the, on this record. So we were kind of keeping the ball rolling. It's a little bit of both because like two of the, or three of the five songs on Cold Blooded Volume 2 are like the last batch we did for when we wrote the record in general. So they have a little bit of a different sound versus Volume One because those were kind of like the first batch of songs we wrote. Was Volume Two recorded in your in your basement as well? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like the way, like the funny thing is, like our retrail, the first single we or not really, or the first official single we put out with the video that came out like two weeks ago. That we um, that wasn't even supposed to be on the record originally. That and same with um. um uh, burn our memories on the first volume like they were we had finished a record and we had just kept writing and those were two of the first songs we wrote and we're like this is too good to not put on the record so we ended up squeezing it in on the record and funny enough 12,000 views later here we are with our betrayal and people I mean just love the song people are like oh you know you got Pablo from Chelsea again. and I was like well he's not just on the song he's in the video like he's in the video I'm like yes he's in the video that, and that was do you find that metal community likes to support its youngins that way where they help out no oh. not, not, <laughs> furthest not often that, not often <laughs> you, you gotta like pick and prod to get people to give a shit and it's it's a little annoying sometimes it's just like I always tell everyone, like, if the community as a, as itself would be helpful, it would help everybody. Because I always see, like, the other communities, like the rap or the pop world, they're always like, hey, like, X, Y, and Z, drop the song, like, go check, go support them, go check it out. And, like, and I was like, God, if we ever got that going, we would, we'd be very successful. Everyone would benefit well, from that. when you 
when you get to that next level, we'll certainly be holding you accountable to that. And, and when you're headlining at House of Independence, I'd love for you to pick a couple of local bands. It's funny you bring that up. That's actually one of my like bucket list goals is to get this band big enough to where we can go tour. And I want to give each city the opportunity to vote on their own locals and not let the promoter pick like, like, Hey, like we're going to go to Boston. Like what is the top five local bands in Boston? And let's go throw them on the show mm-hmm. and let's have them bring their fans. So they, so they get a good exposure and they get a good, you know, like I'm trying to change the narrative. I want to like, I want to make this a very like supporting thing. Like there was a band a couple years ago we played with, they're called the, the nobodies. I don't know if you guys ever heard of them before. Mm-hmm. They're from... It was the name. Yeah, just the name. They were like, I don't know, like 17, 18-year-old kids. And we played with them in Brooklyn. And we're hanging backstage. And we're playing, I think we're playing FIFA or something on my Xbox. And they just walked up to us. And they're like, they're like, oh, and like they're shooting the shit with us. They're like, you guys are really nice. And I was like, and I pulled the singer aside. I go, look, just so you know, like, this is not an act. I go, this is the honest shit. He goes, he goes, what do you mean? I go, people have been treating us like shit for five years. I go... I'm not continuing the trend. Like, I'm like, just because I'm like, you guys were us three years ago. I'm like, I see a lot of potential. I was like, and I was like, the fact that you, and they brought like 70 people with them too. Mm. Like we came out there. We're like, what the hell? Like where all these people come from? And I was like, I was like, you will keep, I'm like, remember this, like we're trying to make everyone feel welcome. And with all this and all, and funny enough, like they ended up like, they went up there and they were sound checking and the guitar player didn't have the guitar head for his cab mm-hmm. and they're like what are we gonna do so I actually went out and I got my cab out of the car and I brought it up on stage and I was fighting with the sound guy they're like why is Generation Underground on stage and I was like I'm trying to help out the band that's having a problem right now and honestly like out of all the local bands I've seen over the years like they kicked ass like, they were really good I'm very jealous of young talented people so am I. I I've missed I think I missed a window somewhere I'm gonna I'm gonna have to work on that In my next round when, I, when I'm reborn as a you know Younger, talented person with bleached yellow hair. I think I, I think I could do it right. I, I see a future for me. There it's is. all in the hair. It it's is all in the hair. So much money. Oh my! Th- thank God I have a good hairstylist. Her name's Jordan. She's like um, my like one of my female friend. Well, my I don't know how to fucking say. She's my, a friend my, who's a girl. Yes, but not my, a girlfriend. My friend Shannon. It's her best friend. She does both of our hairs. So she uh, she does a great job. She. Doesn't charge me an arm and leg, which I appreciate because it's just a lot of a lot of money to maintain. Well, it's a lot of holes to pull your head out in that tin foil to get the bleach. I mean, that's real commitment to the to the movement. Yeah, and I'm coming up on almost five years now doing it. So <laughs> you don't you don't, you don't want to have you know bad roots or whatever it's called. Oh yeah, I, I my hair <laughs> a couple years ago was like literally frail, and my friend she pulled me aside. She goes, "You know your hair's dead," and I was like, "What do you mean?" She goes, "No, it's dead," and I was like, "What does that mean?" And like you know, I'm a guy, I don't know what that means. Yeah. And like she explained, she goes, "Your hair's dead, and like you need to fix this." And I eventually learned, as I learned about how you take care of your hair, especially when you dye your hair, that uh, my hair was terrible, and that we fixed it. And now my hair is nice and healthy. So yeah, well. It's- I'm jealous. Sorry about that. Um, what are we going to see in the next year and a half? Uh, a lot. Um, I don't think I sleep anymore. I'm always doing. I'm always planning something evil to come next for this band. Mm-hmm. Um, evil in a good way, or oh, evil yeah, that yeah. you're nervous. It's a little bit of both, mm-hmm. but it's. it's in the, I'm always planning like the next step or two without getting too far ahead of So what do you see in, in your uh, in your vision board for Generation Underground? Uh, I guess what's like the what's that thing they have like the magic 
Not Magic 8-Ball? Eight. Eight the Magic 8-Ball. Yeah, I guess in our Magic 8-Ball, I would see, like, the record will come out. Um, we're going to do a deluxe edition of the record in May. It's going to have both EPs put together with... Um, Are you doing this whole thing on vinyl and cassette, too? <sighs> you know, if vinyl would stop being <laughs> so expensive, I'd be interested. But we have physical... We have CDs, but, mm-hmm. like... I don't even know who even makes cassettes. To be honest, I, 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 if the demand, let's put it if the, if the demand is there, we'll make it. We'll, I'm waiting for the eight track to make a comeback. <laughs> god. god, I hope not. The eight track. Oh my god. <laughs> who uh, does your um, artwork? So we I really ha- like it. Thank you. We had a guy. Um, his name was Andy. He was from like Indonesia. His company's called Meat Fire Studios. He did the artwork for um, for Volume One, and I had to have. Sadly, I had to have someone tweak volume two, so he didn't. He kind of did it. Kind of. I haven't talked to him in over two years. He just like disappeared off the face of the earth. So, I hope I reconnect with him one day because he he did the first record, like the self title one. He did the Cold of Volume One artwork. He did multiple different singles. Like he did a great job. So currently, we have my guitar teacher. His name is Bill Hoggy. Um, he did our artwork for this for Cold of Volume Two. So he kind of pretty much had like recreate what Andy had mm-hmm. done a couple years ago. Do you That's still cool. uh, have a relationship with a guitar teacher, or is it just an old friend now? I literally saw him today. He still teaches me to this day. Yeah? Yeah. So he actually, um, funny enough, when um, we were really, really like starting out, he actually tracked our first ever song mm-hmm. in his house. So I got to give him a lot of credit. We ended up writing an entire song from scratch in tracking, recording, mixing, and mastered a song in 11 hours. Okay. I don't uh, recommend it. It was a lot know, of work. My guitar lessons only lasted 30 minutes, so you guys got a lot of stuff done. <laughs> He's a good guy. You know, I've known him, and his brother actually teaches me drums, but his brother was my fourth grade teacher, actually. So, small world to yeah. find out that. He's like, yeah. He goes, yeah, Hoggy. I was like, I'm like, do you know Mr. Hoggy? goes, yeah, that's my brother. I'm like, what? Oh, that's too funny. I was like, that's insane that your brother was my fourth grade school teacher in Matawan. Wow. Like, what are the odds? Very slim. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, as far as the album, where can people kind of keep up to date with Generation Underground to know uh, the latest announcements? So, um, our socials are very active. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Bands in Town, YouTube. Um, so we have a link tree now on all of our socials, and it has a way. Um, so it doesn't really matter what platform you listen on, whether it's YouTube, YouTube Music, Amazon, Apple, Spotify. If you click the link tree, it will take you to all the different options, and you can just pick whatever fits whatever you listen to. Mm-hmm. We'll make easiest. sure we have that so we can put that in the show notes. I will. I will, yeah. I literally went up yesterday, so yeah. it's perfect timing. Good. Well, it, it sounds like you've come out of COVID healthy and, and ready for more. You've made some important changes, and you've kept you know some of your loyal friends together. Uh, we're very excited about seeing where you go, and, and as you become increasingly famous, uh, I do have a question about the grammar of the song Shook Into the Core, because... <laughs> As a former teacher, I, I kind of got a weird chill for that. But I'll give you an artistic license. It may have rhymed better that way. I'm trying to remember. And I remember we got yelled at, too, from my guitar teacher and my producer and a couple of the people. They're like, why not shake it? I was like, why not shook it? And they're like, okay, Mike, whatever. You win. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, I think the phrase, I think it phrased a little bit better. Yeah, doing shook in versus yeah. shaken. So, 
Dude, like it's your it. song. I yeah. like I'm it. Just, uh, just fascinating. Uh, I think it's more interesting. American way. language. Yeah, <laughs> and crazy. That's our most successful song streaming wise. It's it's got like twenty thousand streams on Spotify. Which you know. So like, what do you make about four cents on that? I think if I remember the ratio was you get a penny every third spin from Spotify. Okay. And I was sitting there doing the numbers one day. I was like, you know, you know, like our last record got forty six thousand streams in six weeks, and I was like, you know, guys, if I got one penny. Would have made almost five grand, and I was like, instead I'm getting like five dollars. I'm like, well, uh, Spotify may not treat its artists well, but for me, um, it's opened up music that I would have never heard. Oh, it's a tremendous platform. It's just the only. It just sucks the how they pay out. Yeah, pay you're not going to make a living on that. Yeah, so. and I don't necessarily blame Spotify. At the same time, like they're it's they're, what the market could bear. If the right, market you know, bear it. The, the, the model would change. Right, and you got to respect people like Taylor Swift, who said, "No, I'm not going to put my record on Spotify." And the people like ACDC, who wouldn't put their stuff on stream platforms for years, or even Tool, they wouldn't do it either. Like you got to, I have to respect that a lot. That like you can say like. No, we're not going to give into it. You so know. if I wanted to listen to Tool, I'd actually have to make the effort to steal the music off of the internet, as opposed to them paying through. Spotify. They caved a couple years ago oh, when yeah, their last yeah. record came out. So thank God, because like, a good I, record, <sighs> phenomenal. I was record. surprised. There's a couple bands I never expected to see on Spotify. One of my favorite bands from years back is King Crimson, and and oh, I never man. thought for a second they'd go to Spotify. But they have a huge catalog now, and so I can enjoy my uh, my old King Crimson and my new King Crimson. Um, anyway, that's that's my problem. Uh, uh, but uh, you're you're on. I think you're getting close to that crossroads where it's it's going to break for you soon, and, and we're going to send you good thoughts. And yeah. you know, Can't when you're in the neighborhood, or I don't know if New York is a does New York cater to uh, metal bands? They do. The, the craziest thing is we're like celebrities in Pennsylvania. They love <laughs> they, they love us in PA. Like I can't go to a show without someone walking up to me and being like, oh my God, I bought a ticket off you three years ago. You guys sold to me at half price and I sold your band and like you guys did the Slipknot cover and I was like, which show? They're like, oh, this show. And I was like, you're making me feel old. And he's like, like, I had a guy, I went to see um, August Burns, right? Has a Christmas show out every year in Lancaster and I went out there with my buddy Chris and this guy walked up me and just tired and goes, yo, how you been? And I was like, do I know? He goes, yeah, man. He goes, I met you a couple years ago. And he's like, I saw you at this show. I was like, dude, I'm like, that was two and a half years yeah, ago. Oh, like, I feel, to, I feel so impression. old now. You're going to have to relocate to Philly and uh, be a Philly metal band. It, it, it's one of those things where like, it's cool, but I definitely see why people don't like it at the same time because yeah. like, Sometimes like they just go to the show and just enjoy the show. Come on. It's, it, it, it's, it's cool. got to be a rush. It, it, it's flattering, but it's also annoying at the same time. Like, when I go to house, I usually... There's... Yeah, but now you have to behave because people are watching you. I may behave usually anyway. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not the guy with the mouthpiece and the pit so to cause a problem. I'm usually so, tamed. So you're probably going to push your tour out that way to start, right? Why don't you build, go where strike where the iron's hot, you know? Yeah, I mean, we only have one show booked currently. It's um, technically unannounced, but... I was given the green light to start announcing it. Um, August 6th, we're playing at this new venue in Elizabeth called The Litter Box. Mm-hmm. We're playing this festival called Antics Fest. My friend Chris, he has a podcast called Metal Antics. They're hosting it. It's us. It's this band called Across the White Water Tower. They're from um, Rockland County, New York. There's another band called As Within, So Without. They're also on it. This band called Bleed, they're on it as well. 
Honestly, the rest of the lineup keeps changing, so I don't know who else is on it. But those sure. are the, the four I know that That's are exciting. definitely on so it. You better get a guitar player soon, or you're going out as a three piece. <laughs> I know. It's you know, I, I can get someone to fill in <laughs> temporarily. It's more stage for us. Yes, there yes, you go. More room to th- more space for people to take a run before they dive into the audience. Oh, yeah. Nothing worse than having a big band on stage and the kids who are jumping in the pit don't have enough sort of runway space to launch. Yeah. <laughs> they just kind of bum rush the band. Yeah, yeah. just get hurt. We definitely got, whenever we play house, again, we got to get you guys to come out. We got to bring Cooper. We put Cooper on the side of the stage. <laughs> we'll give him headphones. <laughs> we'll, give him, we'll give him those little, like, um, those doggy headphones. He's schnoozing right now. <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much. Yeah, for thanks for coming, Mike. It's Please keep in touch, and uh, you know, send us all the links. And when things are released, we'll definitely push it out yes. there. And uh, we would like to ride your coattails. So become famous and take us along. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan for <laughs> Sounds us. Sounds good. Thanks. Well, thank guys. you guys. <laughs>